What's happening, guys? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, and we are going to share something interesting today. So we, before we get to what I'm going to share as our, our interview, we uh, put some stuff up on the website today. Make sure you check those things out if you have not. The Browns' big decision of the day was bringing back Chase McLaughlin, re-signing him. Makes sense. The Browns don't want to go into either the draft or the undrafted free agent section, forcing a kicker to happen. We know the baseline who McLaughlin is, so uh, that is not to be an unexpected thing. We have not heard any reports that they were in on anybody else you know, to a high level, uh, the other kickers that have been signed, but it, it makes sense, again, as Cleveland tries to plug all roster issues before April's late April's draft here, that they would bring him back as a baseline. There will be competition for Chase. Otherwise, Jack Duffin put up his salary cap update article, which is very, very informative. A ton of different things you can take away from that and learn about big decisions looming and where they're at with the cap right now. That is a feature that Jack will be doing many, many times with us, and he's great at it. Fills that niche well. Mock Draft 46 is up, which was done by Andrew. He did a great job with that. Check that out. The Newswire. Uh, Fred Greetham laid out all of the options available at defensive end and free agency and the draft with help from some people on staff here at the OBR. But all of that is up. And then we did the OBR's dueling mock draft, which was really fun. We had a uh, loyal Twitch follower and OBR follower, OG Philly, his name uh, is the username, and his name is Scott. And he did a great job with us on his mock. And then we had Andrew guide the fan mock where you guys voted on which players you wanted to pick. So that will be up for today's daily mock that you will see on the OBR website. So check that out. Leave your comments. Let us know what you think. I think the fan vote went pretty well. I will share the audio of that over the weekend for your consumption if you would like to listen to that in podcast form. So otherwise, you can find that on the Twitch channel. Today, I'm going to share what I think was a really fun interview that I did at the last second. Our guys who are with us uh, at the Garage Beers podcast, you guys know Mike. Mike has been on several different shows and podcasts with us. But Chad and Joey do a great job on the Garage Beers pod, and you can find that podcast on any of the major podcast providers. Garage Beers podcast, they cover everything Cleveland, and and I'm talking all three teams, a little bit of hockey, a lot of bit of hockey with the Blue Jackets mixed in too, and then some Ohio State too. They're, they're everything. So if you're interested in more than just Browns talk, Garage Beer, they do a great job, and they've had some unbelievable guests on there. Tom Hamilton, Joe Thomas. So many great guests have shown up for them, and they had another great guest in Cecil Shorts who had a hell of a career at Mount Union, and when we were at Speed Bump in my college days in the way of Mount Union, and he was phenomenal at Mount Union, and to get a chance to yuck it up with him a little bit here on the type of quarterback Deshaun is, what that does to a receiver, and all of the things kind of surrounding that, uh, a lot of discussion here, because it's interesting because Cecil's connected as he works live game production stuff and is an outreach partner down in, in Houston with the Texans. He works closely with the organization, so he has some good insights on a lot of different things. We got to talk ball a little bit, talk college days. Really, really fun interview there that I wanted to share with you. Obviously hosted by Garage Beers and and Mike and uh, Chad were involved in this, and then I just got to, got to fire some questions that I think you will find really interesting. So I wanted to share this podcast with you and really, really urge you to start checking out the Garage Beers podcast because those fellas do fantastic work on that. It's live every Tuesday at 9 o'clock on the OBR Twitch, and then you can get it uh, Wednesday, Thursday of that same week. You can get it in podcast form, so check that out. Uh, this will be what I share for the day. You won't hear from me again other than my time with garage beers we'll sign off at the end of that little episode time with 
with uh, with Cecil. So check that out uh, here in just a second. I appreciate you guys joining today, listening in. Hopefully you get something good from this Cecil Shorts interview. Appreciate you guys. Let's get over to that interview from the Garage Beers podcast right now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We are really excited to bring in Cecil Shorts the Third. Cecil, welcome back to the Garage Beers Podcast, dude. Let's go! There he What's is. Fellas, how y'all doing, man? What's going on, Cecil? Long time no talk, man. I know, right? It's been it's been too long, but I'm excited to be back on here with y'all. Um, this should be a fun night, dude. How was San Antonio? It wasn't bad. Um, I mean, you driving two and a half hours with seven kids. Oh. <laughs> you make the most of it. <laughs> tons wow. of tons of encanto. So the the, the <laughs> that soundtrack was just going and going and going and going. I probably know every song by heart, but it was worth it. Now I know you went there for uh, you know uh, your daughter's gymnastics, but I, yeah. I don't know. Did you? Did, I don't know if I'm you. I kind of pull a dad move. I'm like, oh my god, honey, hook. I have a ticket for Houston and Villanova in my pocket. This is weird. <laughs> I guess uh, I guess I should go to that, right? <laughs> I wish, man. I I ain't got the balls to do that. <laughs> That's a smart man, man. That's a smart man. He knows better. You don't just you don't leave the wife when you have seven kids. Not with seven. Nah, you can't do that, man. That's do a that. tough one. That's a tough one. Uh, well, Cecil, welcome back, man. We're we're very excited to have you. Obviously, we're very excited to talk to you. There's there's a there's a major Houston Cleveland connection in the football world that's happened over the last several weeks, and so uh, we're very excited to talk to you about that uh, and to uh, just have some other stories as well. But as always, we start with our favorite segment of the week, which is our garage beers of the week. I believe Cecil, if I remember right, and again, I think the last time you were on this is episode one eleven. I think the last time you were on was like episode 38. <laughs> I, I believe there were Miller lights happening uh, in, in Cecil Shorts Arena. Do you have a garage beer with you tonight? I don't, man. I forgot. That's like the name of the show. I, that, that's that's my fault. That is totally. No, it's your fault. My fault. Listen, I, I listen, made a mistake. It's on us for not having, for, for going so long in between episodes, having you on. So I, it's, I will share it. We'll share the blame. <laughs> okay. Okay. But you're right. It was Mike. It was Miller Light. It was Miller Lite. You were right. So if Cecil was drinking a beer with us tonight, it'd be a Miller Lite. We're just going to count that. There it is. There it is. Jake Burns is also doing the same thing. The stock is running low over at Jake's house, so Jake's got an ice-cold water. I Yeah, brought a water, man. I did not, as a guy who who works with you guys, it's just inexcusable. Can't, can't let that happen. Should have thought about the beer. Was walking back here. My wife's pregnant, and uh, she was yelling at me. 
I, I, but that's an excuse. So that's all I got. That's all I got, man. That's all <laughs> so I got. Wasn't prepared. Wife yelling at you, she pregnant? Yeah. Yeah, man. That ain't good. It ain't well, none of this time, good. The last time Cecil's wife was pregnant, there were some surprises that happened. Three <laughs> of them. <laughs> that's actually one of the more amazing things I've ever heard, man. I, I need I need to know more about that. How 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 does so you so you like at the ultrasounds were they hidden? Like were they high? Like what's going on there? Yeah. So the goal was to have one. So mm-hmm. for one. We were excited because we got pregnant. Boom. Right. Yep. Number five is on the way. We already have four. It was boy, girl, boy, girl. So we already have four. We wanted one more. So we were pregnant. Boom. We were excited. I go to Miami for like a, a man's trip. Right. Mm-hmm. So me and my fellas, we hanging out, having a good time. She calls me like uh, Monday morning or late after late morning because she went to an ultrasound and she's just smiling. And I'm like, why are you smiling? <laughs> she wouldn't say anything. She FaceTime wouldn't say anything. Then she put the ultrasound up and it was two babies. And I'm like, why does oh, it, it look like it got two heads? And she, she's just like, I'm going to be having twins. So I dropped my drink and I just went for a walk. I went to walk. <laughs> I'm like, why are we having twins? Like, what is, what is going on? But long story short, I'm like, you know, we can do twins. You get one, I get one. We'll rotate at night. We can make it work. Yeah. Right. It was all in my head. About, I guess a month later, three weeks to a month later, we go get this in-depth ultrasound. So the, mm-hmm. the nurse, okay, there goes baby A, there's baby B, and then she's kind of going around, and me and her, my wife start daydreaming. I'm looking, just looking around. I think it was around the draft time or whatever. And then there goes baby C. I'm like, baby C? <laughs> yeah, hold on, I'm going to need you to repeat that one more time for me. Yeah, I'm man. Like, Slow that down. <laughs> and she was like, oh, you didn't know you had triplets? I'm like, no. Oh, man. My knees got weak, so I'm like shaking. I'm like, I need to go for a walk. I need to go pray because I don't know what I'm gonna do with three babies at one time. But it was yeah, hidden man. up under, like you know how the belly is hidden up oh, under, yeah. the belly, so they didn't see it right away. Oh, I'm like, God. y'all gotta do better. That's insane. Y'all gotta that's do better. Insane. You can't do that to a man yeah. that's already expecting six kids. That, that's not that's unacceptable. <laughs> and now I, there I, you I, are. I, now you're a traveling I, baseball team. Now I'm a traveling base, literally, like literally. Yeah. We're pretty good when they get older too. We're pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, I'll have it. I'll have you know that Mike and 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 Chad made it sound like you were like surprised in the in the in the room, like the, the babies just started to come out, and you guys were like, "Oh, we got two now. Now we got three. I was like, "Hold on a second. I know there's some ultrasounds involved in this process. There's no way that could happen." So I, you know, all right, that makes that makes sense. These guys and their stories, man. Listen, tomato, tomato. You know, you know. Hey, how, do you, you, how do you know how to? That's how the legend grows, right? <laughs> it's Cecil's story to tell, man. It's Cecil's story to tell. Uh, all right, so uh, Cecil would be drinking a Miller Lite. Jake, what what would the beer be if you were having a beer? I'm a pretty simple beer drinker, man. I like a Blue Moon. Just Blue Moon's fine for me. A little drop, a little orange in there. It's, it's uh, it's it gets the job done. You know, at the end of the day, you just want to feel a little, little, little buzzed. It gets me there. So Miller Lite was good too. No problem with Miller Lite. What are you guys into? You guys got to carry the weight tonight. What are you fellas drinking? Well, we're gonna start, Chad, over there on the east side, man. What, what are you? What we're carrying the weight. What are you drinking? What's your garage beer of the week? Well, I'm drinking cocoa nips again, guys. Of course uh, you are. It's uh, cocoa nips is my thing. Apparently, it's a. Uh... From Lock 15 in Akron down there, it's the Pretty Boy Peanut Butter Porter. Look at that. Mm. Guy. Look at that guy. It's a, It combines the flavor of peanut butter, raw cocoa nips, and Scribbles cold brewed coffee. It's delicious, <laughs> guys. I, I recommend it. If, if you guys, anybody into dark beer out there, this uh, is a must pick up. It's delicious. Love it. 
All right, so Chad's going dark beer. I'm going light beer. I don't have a lot of lagers on this show, but I'm going with a lager, and I'm going with a lager because as much as I want to kill him most of the time, the Cleveland baseball team is starting to play baseball this week. On Thursday, open things up. Baseball season is officially here after baseball tried to kill themselves with a lockout and all that stuff. Here they are. So I'm bringing it in with a uh, Great Lakes Brewing, the Rally Drum Premium Lager. Mm. Indians, we got the baseball player on the side of the can. Here it is in the patented garage beers glass that nobody can see because the lights shine off of it weird. But it's delicious. It's just a lager, nice, easy drinker. And it's baseball season, boys. It's about time. It's, that means summer's coming. That means mm-hmm. it's it's time. Well, shoot, Cecil's down there in Houston. Uh, but you know what it's like up here. Cecil knows what it's like up here. Yeah. So it's almost time for short sleeves and shorts and nice weather and sitting at a ball game having about 100 of these. I'm just ready for that. So that's it. It's, it's baseball season. There it is. It's baseball season, man. So those are our garage beers of the week for the most part. Uh, if you are having one, let us know in the comments. And if you want any, or if you have any garage beers you want us to try on the show, let us know. Hit us on the social media. We will go find them and we will try them and we'll give you credit for that as well. So uh, to you guys here on the podcast, I say cheers. To everybody listening uh, or watching live, I say cheers. Now it's time to get into episode number 111 of the Garage Beers podcast with the one and only Cecil Shorts the third. And Cecil, so you're still like you're still very involved with the Texans, correct? Yeah, so uh, <clears throat> I do a few things with the Texans. Um, I cover them uh, just a little bit on, on a part-time role on Sports Radio 610 down here, like a fill-in type role. That's just something fun I like to do. Um, I am the game day MC for the entertainment on the field. So yes. any, any fan entertainment going on on the field, I'm like on, on the yeah. field talking and having fun and playing the games with the uh, fans, and then I'm an ambassador. So I host events for the Texans um, in the community a lot with the Texans. So I am around – uh the the franchise a lot you're the hype man for the punt pass and kick at halftime like go 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 yeah there it is there it is i love it that was my job for a while with uh with not the houston texans (laughs) (laughs) uh we would get three thousand people in the stadium at the lake erie crushers and and i was the guy with the microphone let's go not a let's go not a big deal uh so listen we're we're so excited to have you on and i know you've done you've done kind of the 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 media press tour in the Cleveland area here. I've heard you on a couple times, uh, uh, but there's not, I couldn't think of many better people that we could talk to once this whole Deshaun Watson situation uh, started going down. Uh, obviously you didn't play for the Texans anymore by the time Deshaun got there, right. but you've been involved with the team ever since. So uh, I would imagine that you've got a pretty good understanding of Deshaun Watson, both the person uh, and the guy on the field. So uh, uh, just kind of, I want to start with just your initial when you saw the Cleveland Browns made that move uh, on, on March 18th uh, and they were going to trade for Deshaun Watson and everything they gave up. And then the guaranteed money contract and all that stuff What's the first thing that went through your head. I had to make sure it was real. <laughs> I was on air. I was on air and I get like um, our producer text us like, Hey, no, he came, he came in our ear. Like, Hey, Deshaun's going to the Browns. And I'm thinking he's playing. He knows I'm a Cleveland fan. Right. Mm-hmm. I just knew that whole week I was on air. I just knew he's going to Atlanta. I'm like, all right, he's going to Atlanta, going into the week. I think it was Friday, right? Going into the weekend. I'm like, he's going mm-hmm. to Atlanta, man. He's just trying to make sure everything's set up. Boom, 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 boom. And I was kind of disappointed because I'm like, they're not going to be good. They're going to suck for a while. <laughs> <laughs> like, how I'm trying to think, like, how are they going to get it to work? Right. But everything started to make sense as far as 
uh, Warwick Dunn gave his mom a house who played for, you know, Warwick Dunn was running yeah. back. And he grew up in the Atlanta area. He was a ball boy, like all that stuff, right? Won a state championship in, in, in Georgia, outside of Atlanta. So it's like everything makes sense to, for him to go there. Um, and he reached out to Atlanta to make it happen. So when it, when it came on Friday that, hey, he's going to the Browns, I checked my phone, make sure it was Adam. I'm with the Adam Schefter's page. You know, he's a man of everything. Sure. Go to Adam Schefter, and I'm like, wait a second. I'll make sure it was the blue check. I'm like, wow. And I'm just like, hoo, hoo, hoo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Browns fan, we're going to the Super Bowl. We're going to the Super Bowl. That's my first thought, right? Um, and then I seen the guaranteed money. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, he literally, they literally broke the bank. They're all guaranteed. First year of the contract, a million dollars. So if he does get suspended, it's only coming out of that million instead of the whatever, 40, whatever he's supposed to get, right? Which is a genius move on his agent and the Browns part. Um, and then I'm like, okay, he's going to the Browns. Like, what, what did the Browns have to give up to get him? And I'm thinking, okay, maybe Kareem Hunt, maybe Denzel Ward. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the other young corner, like this, somebody like, okay, they got to give up some type of young player, right? That's a need for the Texans. Uh, yeah. Cornerback, or I think it was Newsom, like cornerback or, or a running back, something. And I'm like, wait a second, they didn't give up anything. <laughs> and I'm like, a draft pick, which is awesome for the Texans at the same time, because, you know, you get three first round draft picks. That's, that's a good thing, right? You get other draft sure. picks. It's cool. But looking at it, I'm just, I just couldn't believe it. I was in awe for like 30 minutes. Because I just didn't believe that Deshaun was coming to Cleveland. But to me, Cleveland was the number one team if he wanted to win right away. Like, if he wanted to win the fastest, to me, I thought Cleveland's only a quarterback away. So, I'm like, if he wanted to win, that that made the most sense to me. Now, I get the cold and playing on the lake and, you know, AFC, you know, I get all of that. Um, I also get, too, I, there's a lot of quarterbacks in the AFC West or the AFC now. The, <laughs> the, AFC West, the, whole, the, the whole conference, yeah. More, AFC East, like it's just a boatload of really good quarterbacks. Um, but I was shocked, man. I'm not gonna lie to you. I was I was shocked, I was happy. Um I I don't know if he learned his lesson. We can talk about that later, but it's it's uh to me, I was I was just very happy for him. Now what did you make of the of of the report? Um that, you know, the Browns were initially out of the running, but then all of a sudden they turned around. I mean, let's face it. I mean, he said he said he didn't know about the contract before he decided on Cleveland, but he had to have some sort of inkling. Right. Otherwise, why would why would why would he uh, or or whoever notified the Browns that they were out of the running at first? Yeah, I, I think <laughs> I think the money was a big part of it. I do. I'm just gonna be honest. He he can say what he wants to say. I think money was 231 million guaranteed. Come on, like you're not gonna you're not gonna turn that down. Now, on what made it better was it was a good team. Like you're 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 on a roster wise. If you look at the roster, compare yeah. to the other teams, you're roster wise. You, you're on a darn good team. Yeah. So if he wants to win, that's the closest team or the closest the best roster to go win. Um, so do I believe it was a tough decision? Yes. Because reports came out, and knowing yeah. a little bit about Deshaun, he really wants to win first. Like, that's his mindset. He cares about winning. State championship in high school, national championship in college, he wants the Super Bowl. So in, in the back of his mind, in my opinion, he wants to win no matter what, over, over everything, right? And I think that kicked in. So I do think he was double 
he he went back over the weekend when I think it was Friday he committed, but he went back over the weekend like I just need to I need to think about this. And then when the Browns are like, hey, we're gonna give you one last heat, we're just gonna throw all this at you. <laughs> like, hey, if you come, we'll give you two hundred thirty-one million dollars. <laughs> like, I think it was a combination of the two—a good roster and then the money. The money had something to do with it. I don't care what he says; he's lying to us. But two hundred thirty-one million dollars is a lot of money to turn down. Yeah, two hundred thirty-one million dollars. Uh, yeah. I would drop everything and go play in free with Syria. a no trade clause. With a no trade clause. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I think it's feasible that he could have had like re- regret about it, right? Like maybe he wanted to double think about the Browns and like, hey. You know, maybe tell them I'm still kind of interested. I thought about it overnight. And then Andrew Barry says to to Jimmy, hey, man, I think this will get it done. I think this will really get it done if you send it yeah. to him. And then he's like, you know what? The cold weather ain't that bad. You know, it's not that bad. We can make this work. We can make this work, guys. We can do yeah, this. I think I think there's some of that, too. I, I Listen, I'm not here to call Deshaun a liar in any part of his life. If he truly didn't care about the money and he came to Cleveland without caring about the money, kudos to him right on man right on but but man a, a record-breaking contract like that is hard to say that that didn't have any that's, that's okay the, it's okay to like it's okay to value yourself but right? he was gonna yeah. get the, he was gonna get that contract with pretty much any team that was going after him like that there's plenty so? of teams yeah the, a lot of teams said the reports came out that said teams called the texans after the report for the browns came out that said hey wait we're willing to match like we're willing to match they were calling deshaun's camp saying we're willing to match the contract like, yeah, they, I, I, so go ahead, Cecil. I want to let you get your point across. Uh, you know what? Another thought that came to mind when, when that happened, I, I was wondering if the Browns reached. Like, that was one of my thoughts. Like, did the Browns reach? Like, he's in yeah. his prime, didn't play in a year. He played outstanding the year before on the losing team, right? But he played outstanding. You can't deny that. He's a top five. Right? Top, can't deny that. Not at all. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, did we reach? Was it too much? Is it too much yeah. money? Why do we give him no trade clause? Because I'm in Houston. I'm like, what he, I shouldn't say he put Houston through, but what they were going back and forth with, that was a lot. Like, that was yeah. a lot of franchise. That was a lot on him. Yeah. And I know there was some other things going on, but that no trade clause is no joke. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, it, it wasn't a reach. But I think about it again, you can't pass up on a top five talent. Like, he, if he plays how, he, how, he, how he's been playing, he'll be the best quarterback to ever hit to play for the Browns. I think you're spot on about that. I think you're spot on about the way it was painted after the deal happened was here's Cleveland gets to, you know, the stunning change of, of events here. Deshaun Watson picks Cleveland. I saw the Schefter tweet the same way y'all did. I was looking at it blankly like what? Okay. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then it was like, Oh, and 230 million guaranteed. And, they're giving him the first year, which is a normal contract structure around the yes. NFL now, right? It's normal. Say that, say that louder. Yeah. Say it, that it, louder. You can get on the Browns about some nefarious stuff here. You can yes. do that. Cool. But that's not one of them. Every um, big contract that got signed by any team. Yeah. All the yeah, big for sure. contracts that went out by any team this offseason yeah. has had the minimum one year or minimum first year. It's salary cap structure. It allows them to bend the cap a bit. Yeah. I want to throw this to you too, Cecil, because I want your opinion on it. Um you know, I'm, but I'm to your original point, 100% with you. Where I'm like, damn, did they give up too much? Like, they gave up all these things. It was being painted that way. And I think you do arrive to the conclusion that you have arrived to, too, which is like, they had to do this. They look at the AFC landscape, they had to get the quarterback, they had to take a swing here. Yeah. And my question for you about, about Deshaun is particularly this 
it, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, and you've been around him and you've been near the situation. He's been beloved everywhere. High school, Clemson, hero, Houston, hero until the trade yes. request happened. How do you think he'll handle the villain role? Because what's going to happen here is instead of going out and it's everybody loves you, even in Cleveland for a little bit at the start here, there's going to be some booze. There's going to be yeah. some negativity. Mm-hmm. I always talk about this with like LeBron and how LeBron talked very vocally about now LeBron. I'm not putting in the same conversation about that. But when he left Cleveland, he wasn't prepared for the backlash that came with Miami. He always LeBron. Everyone loves LeBron all the time. It's everyone loves LeBron. So he talked about that villain role. He tried to embrace it, but he wasn't ready to be hated by people. And it affected him his first year in Miami. Do you think Deshaun is wired to block all that out? I'm just ready to ball. It doesn't matter to me. Or do you think having taken a year off, having now come back to a lot of scrutiny, everything that you talk about Deshaun, there's caveats and people talk and there'll be some booing and he'll get treated harshly on the road. Do you think from the dude, you know, that he's wired to handle that? He's wired differently, man. Like he's a, he's a different dude. Um, I would be very honest if I feel like he couldn't handle it. If he couldn't handle it, I'd say it was a bad trade. Because the first half of the season, in my opinion, you don't know what the suspension is going to be. He hasn't played in a year. It's not going to be the Deshaun Watson, right? It's going to be a some rust coming off. It's going to be some mistakes here and there. It's going to be some time to jail with the receivers the whole nine, right? So you'll get the booze. You'll get the people that's um, that's against him and what he is accused of doing, right? You'll get all those people at outside of the stadium with their signs saying this, this, and that. But the way he's wired, he's so focused on winning. And his teammates, oh, my gosh, his teammates literally love him. Literally. Yeah. So if anybody will have his back, it's his guys in that locker room. On the 4-12 and 12 team when he was in Houston, he was beloved in that city. Yeah. He was beloved. He, he blocked everything that was going on. It was a mess in the Houston Texans locker room that year from Bill O'Brien trading the best receiver to uh, uh, accusations of, of people getting followed home. I mean, the SI article was all out there. Yeah. It was craziness going on. He blocked all that out and threw for 40, 4,300 yards and 33 touchdowns and seven, whatever it was like in, incredible year. So if anybody yeah. could handle it, in my opinion, it would be, it would be Deshaun Watson. And and, and I, and I go to another point, Jake, you mentioned, LeBron James, he said, I want to compare him. I would, because if you bring a Super Bowl to Cleveland, in yeah. my opinion, you're going to be on that yeah. pedestal. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It's yeah. going to be similar. But, yeah. okay, so so the other question that I had, and I thought that was an awesome question, Jake. Uh, the other question I have is we, we, we now keep talking about Deshaun Watson, and I'm guilty of doing the same thing. Top five, top five, top five. He's a top five guy. He's a top five guy. But he played, the last he played was, he didn't play last year. He played the season before that. Some of these dudes that are here now weren't even in the league yet or they hadn't like Josh Allen wasn't like fully developed Josh Allen. The last time Deshaun Watson played Joe Burrow wasn't in the league. The last time Deshaun Watson played Justin Herbert. A lot of these guys hasn't either been drafted and brought into the league or developed. So again, Cecil, you've, you've, you've watched him as much as anybody you cover this team in your opinion, after the rush shakes off a little bit, is Deshaun Watson still a top five guy? He's top three. He's, he's really good. He's, really he's, good. he's he's special. Like he's he his demeanor on the field, whether good or bad, is outstanding. His, his, the way he leads his team. Now he's doing this with without Amari Cooper. He's doing this without a Njoku. He's doing this with with guys that you know were not household names. 
He's doing this without Kareem Hunt. He's doing this without Nick Chubb. Mm-hmm. Like he, he didn't have household names in, in with his guys besides DeAndre Hopkins, which they traded, right? Yeah. So as he was developing, you know, he was a guy who went 12 overall, which is it was ironic because the Browns traded with the Texans to move up, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. And you know, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, they, you know, they were developing, but he was developing too. Like he was getting better. So in my opinion, he still hasn't reached his ceiling. And you're going to see the progression this year through the 17 games of him getting better as time goes on. And <clears throat> over time, again, you'll hear the boos, you'll hear all this stuff, but winning cures all. And winning the go- city of Cleveland is different. Yeah. You win football games in the city of Cleveland, and that's different than any other city in the world. It's yeah. different in Cleveland. You know how we are. We love our team. We appreciate our guys. We are we are all into it. We're blue, we're blue collar fans, right? A blue collar town. You win in this city. They will forgive you. They will move on, and they'll put the crown on his head. I want to follow up on the player, uh, and then Chad, I'll jump. I'll dump over to you for a question too. I don't. I don't mean to hijack anything, but like, yeah, no, well, I'm curious about this because, you know, I don't. I don't necessarily think. Um, you know, I don't necessarily think Cecil. You played with a guy like Deshaun in in the at the NFL level. Uh, we could trace your quarterback. Uh, production with you've had with these quarterbacks throughout the NFL and we could all have a good laugh about it. Hey, um, but for you and you, you know, back at Mountain Union, other places you play with exceptional quarterbacks at that level and put up some stats like, you know, when, with the guys you played with, it was probably frustrating because you didn't play with creators. And I think this is one thing people don't understand about Deshaun is when ca- the, the chaos happens, when things get real crazy in the pocket, Great point. he can get away from people like a 6'6", 250 quarterback. He is a way of bouncing pinballing. As a wide receiver, man, you know, you got your route concept, you're going to run it. But how much did you love it when you ran into a quarterback that could extend plays and, hey, I run my dig, and then I know if I run my dig as a shallow, at the shallow part, I can push, if he rolls right, I can push off and take off on the scramble drill. Like, does it just make the game infinitely more fun? Because so many times last year we'd watch the Browns and Baker's just, he's a scheme guy. If the scheme broke down, he was breaking down. You weren't getting extension. You'd run your route and it's like, all right, man, I got to jog back in my cardio and got to jog back to the huddle again. Like how much more fun is it to play with a guy who's an extender of plays? It's not, it's not only more fun because the play is never over, right? Mm -hmm. There's always a chance you can get the ball. (laughs) There's always a chance you can get the ball, right? But it gives you hope. So like no matter the situation, it gives you hope. Right. Because, yeah. you know, hey, yep. if things break down, he's going to find a way. Yep. If things break down, I still can get open, push off, whatever the case may be. Say I don't get open the first time. I can get open the second time or I can make a tough catch. Whatever the case may be, the play is never over. It gives you a sense of hope. So now that mindset is going is is is, you know, you got that mindset going into the huddle. You got that mindset when you line up. So now two minutes to go, you're down five. Guess what? It's still hope there so that there's no doubt in your mind. Hey, we're going to figure out a way because we got number four with us. We're going to figure out a way because we got this guy that can create, right? And if you look yeah. at the Buffalo Bills, the last time the, I think the Texans made the playoffs was 2019. They played Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen in overtime, and two guys blitz Deshaun Watson. Yeah, and somehow he gets smacked and spins around, throws it to the running back, and he goes for like 60 yards, and they win on the field goal, right? The stuff like that you can't teach. Yeah. You, can't, you can't coach that. 
And that's what Deshaun brings to the table. Well, that's what I would say you've played in your career in offenses, whether in Jacksonville or wherever, where you're on the backside of a concept. I know the, this quarterback, he ain't getting to me as read number three over here. But when you play with Deshaun or a guy of that liking, you know, hey, if I'm playing with no disrespect to Chad Henney, he ain't finding me on this backside corner route. Right. But if I'm playing with Deshaun and they rolled a cover three here, it's right. on. And I know it's on. That's got to be a different level of focus for you, like knowing any minute I could get the rock, right? That changes your level. It, it changes the level of focus and it gives it gives guys opportunity to more than your number one and number two receiver. Yeah, man. Develop chemistry and trust from your quarterback. Right. Awesome. So say things break down. My first read's not there. My second read's not there. Oh, I got to break a tackle. I'm going to my backside where my third and fourth receivers are. Now they're getting open and I throw it to them. They catch it. Oh, hey. That was a good play. I trust you. I'm, I'm building trust with you. Mm-hmm. I'm building chemistry with you. And the receivers are building confidence. So not only is it hope, it's like you're building confidence over the whole offense, the receivers, the tight ends, the running backs. Like, hey, he's yeah. going to find me if I'm open. He's going to make a play if it breaks down. That's awesome. Hey, if you're man. joining us, if you're joining us live on the OBR uh, Twitch channel here, if you have any questions, if you have any, anything you want us to uh, ask Cecil, uh, whether it's about the topic we're talking now or maybe maybe a little Mount Union football, legend status at Mount Union, anything you want. Throw it in the comments. We'll get to it. Chad, it looked like you had something. Jake watches a little bit of film. Can you tell, Cecil? He's yeah. awesome. I, 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 I try. All day. I love it. <laughs> uh, now, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, um, you know, I, I don't know how many of these guys in this Browns locker room know Deshaun, uh, Cecil, but what is, you know, obviously given the situation that he's coming in with, what, uh, you know, what, what, what's the important things for him to do going into a new locker room where a lot of these guys don't know him? Oh, I think that's going to be huge, right? Because when you have when you have everybody saying their opinion on you, the media says this, the lawyers say this, the girls are saying this, you know, social media is saying this. The most important thing he got to do is win his guys over, win the locker room. That's the most important thing. You got to win those players over. And the biggest thing is being humble. Going there, not not demanding, not calling the shots. Slowly show your leadership. Show show with your actions. Being the first one there, the last one to leave, the hardest working in between, right? Building that chemistry with Amari Cooper and all the all the other young receivers. Talking to the offensive line, taking them out to eat. You got two hundred thirty one million dollars, so you need to be taking these guys out to eat, getting to know taking me out to eat, <laughs> some time taking garage beers out to eat, like literally literally dating your team. Right. Like, like literally dating your team, winning your team over and then speaking up when those moments come. And then going to practice field and you dominate practice field. You're communicating on the field. You're not point. You're not pointing the blame. You're, you're understanding, hey, this is my responsibility. This is my team. Right. He's going to have that C on his on his on his jersey. That, that's just how it is. But he has to slowly earn that, if that makes sense. So he can't go in there calling the shots right away because now because most of the guys don't know you. All they do, all they, all they, all their opinion is stirred off of what they hear about you. So you have to literally go in there, win the team over, whether that's dinners, whether that's just hanging out in the locker room and talking, whether that's spending time with the the, the 53rd, 53rd guy on the roster, because he might get cut. Just just being real with them, right? Talking to the equipment guys, talking to the trainers, um, putting the time in, showing how much you care about the game, showing how much you care about your team and winning. So that's the biggest thing for him right now. He can't go in there. He, and he's not that type of guy. He's more of an, on the quieter side anyways, yeah. which, which will benefit him um, in this locker room. 
Um, but he is he has to win that locker room over. He has to come in and and demand respect and and respect everybody else there from from day one. Cecil, I know you're a receiver, and so you love that passing game and getting the ball in the air. But here in Cleveland, there's, in my opinion, the best running back tandem in the NFL. You have Nick Chubb and you have Kareem Hunt. And if, if you don't want to say they're the best, they are right up there as one of the best running back tandems in the NFL. In, in his time in Houston, Deshaun Watson played with some pretty decent play. I mean, Lamar Miller was a pretty decent running back there yeah. for a minute. Uh, he, had, he had Duke Johnson and Carlos Hyde uh, his second year, uh, which isn't great. Uh, he had, uh, I think David Johnson came in in 2020, something like that. He has played with some okay running backs, but not like the greatest running backs in the world. And all of a sudden he's going to come here and play with one of the best running back tandems in the league. How does his game, how is his game as a quarterback going to help the Browns and, and, and how is he going to be helped by that running back tandem? Well, first of all, the offensive line is better than what he's ever had. Yeah. Right. So he was a lot of times he was running for his life when things weren't open. Like he was scrambling and creating like Jake was talking about because he had no choice because the right tackle got beat as soon as the ball was snapped. <laughs> so when you have that offensive line, that's better. Um, and you can run the football. It takes pressure off Deshaun, which he enjoys, but it takes pressure off him. But now you have to respect the offense as a whole. You can't just drop eight. You can't just drop seven. You got to keep people in the box. Because now not only can Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb tote the ball, Deshaun can have designed runs as well. Yeah. So now your RPO game is going to be crazy. Now you're, you're, you can put Nick on one side, Kareem on the other, and then you can motion Kareem out to the slot, and then you got read option with a, with a, on the backside or on read option. So you can go zone or power, and then you got your little slant RPO on the, on the front side. Like it's, it's so many schemes and things you can develop with Deshaun that – is going to hold the defense true because you have to respect the run game first. You can't just, oh, they got Deshaun Watson, they're going to pass the ball. No. If they, if they don't want to, guess what? They might, if it's snowy outside, <laughs> you know, yeah. gets, guess what? They got three guys that can run the ball now. I'm sorry, four, because that, that third running back, I forgot his Uranus name. Johnson. He, he can tote the rock, too. He did an awesome mm-hmm. job when those guys were out. Fantasy-wise, he was awesome for me. I picked him up. <laughs> <laughs> but when you have that option, like, it's you have to stay true. And there's so many things you can do as an offensive coordinator. Like, it's so many options you have. Um, so it's going to be a lot of pressure on Kevin Stefanski, in my opinion. Because guess what? Now you got to produce. There's no excuses. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really no excuses why the offense shouldn't be running, the offense shouldn't be flowing, uh, how you shouldn't – you should be able to run the ball well, you should be able to pass the ball. Like, you are in, in a position where um, – you have a lot of options and you have no excuses not to be um, winning a lot of games. A topic I wanted to touch on with you is the offense they run. Now I, I don't, I correct me if I'm wrong. Jed, Jed fish was your OC a couple years. Uh, I, I was bill your OC in Houston. Was he truly yeah. the guy that, okay. I don't think, and I, again, I could be wrong, but I'm talking like that, that Shanahan Kubiak McVay tree of, of offensive structure that is really wide zone and play action based off of it. There's this there's this conception that wide receivers hate it. They just they don't like it. They don't want to go play in it. They don't like it much. Do you have any thoughts on that? I don't know if you played in anything that was wide zone based and kind of 
build off of it. But, I, you know, coming from somebody who played the way you did in the league, I think it's a fair question to you've talked to guys or something like that. Like a lot of th- people be like, well, you know, Stephon Diggs hated playing that offensive structure in Minnesota. And then and people will try to claim wide receiver. I just it's different. You got to block more. I understand that. But I feel like there are some really great downfield options for you as a wide receiver in that structure. So I was curious what you think of that kind of offense that's taken the NFL by storm. I think it's boring for the receiver, the, okay. the average receiver, right? But if you look at like a Debo Samuel, mm-hmm. who is a guy that can do multiple things. So he yes. can be in the backfield and he'll get the wide zone. He can come in motion, get the jet sweep. He can be the, the he can, they can play action to their running back and then throw deep to Debo or over the middle. So I think it, as a receiver, sometimes you feel like you're limited because it's not always passing the ball. It's basically you run the ball first and then it's play action off of that, right? Yeah. Play action off the run. So a lot of the concepts aren't that complicated. They're simple, but if you run it well, you can run the ball well, you run your routes well, it it works very well as we see in Safansky in Minnesota. And then, you know, Shanahan and Kubiak did a great job with Arian Foster in the, in the, uh, teens of, uh, of the two thousands. Yeah. Um, I, I never had a problem with it. I think for Stefan and those guys, they want high volume. They want high targets. They want the Josh Allens, right? They yeah. want the guys that are going to yeah. throw the ball, but the offense is going to throw the ball every play. But that's just the, the scheme that, in my opinion, if it works well, that, that's I would love it. As long as we're winning and I'm, I'm getting my touches, <laughs> <laughs> I'm good to go, right? Because if you look at the Minnesota, right? Thielen uh, was still getting close to 1,000 yards. Stefan was still getting close to 1,000 yards. Yeah. I don't think Stefan had a thousand yards. Maybe once in Minnesota, he, he yeah, wasn't. I think he did it with with mm-hmm. with Stefanski. He was up over a hundred, like hundred and two targets. He got over a thousand yards. Like, I mean, like you're going to get some touches. It's just it's yeah. run first and it's play yeah. action off of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like it's frustrating for guys yeah. because they want to throw the ball around a little more. But to me, I like it's more schematic. Yeah, and if you're really good at zone, you can do so many things off of it. I dig that. I know that Bill Bill used to do a lot of that high orbit motion stuff, that deep behind the quarterback. I just noticed it when Deshaun came in. They 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 were doing a lot of that high motion stuff for him, yeah. kind of putting receivers late into the flat to give him a bunch of different deception options. And yeah, that RPO stuff you mentioned earlier could be a ton of fun with two backs or getting a little H tight end in there and oh, sneaking yeah. him off to the flat. That that RPO now stuff where you're just kind of letting that DN give you the course of action. So I really wanted to get your opinion on the offense because I do think Kevin evolves. I don't think you have a choice. Eventually, you got you got a dude. You got a dude at quarterback. You better evolve. I think he's too smart not to evolve. So good stuff. I'll, uh, I got another one for you here in a minute. I'll come back to. Okay. Chad, Chad? looked like he was going to talk. Chad looked like he, he always looks like he's going to talk. No. What, what are you talking about? I'm not a talker. I'm very shy. Guys. I'm not, very I'm not shy. any sort of talker. Well, then you sit there and be quiet. You sit there and be quiet. I don't know. I saw a question in the comments for Cecil. I thought you might be putting that one up. Oh, you know what? I didn't even, I was, uh, unfortunately, I was on the full screen and I missed it. Yeah, we got a question in the comments here on the live stream. It says, question for Cecil as a teammate. When there's a problem with the uh, quarterback producing on the field, the coaches call them out the same way they would other skill positions not doing their job. Yeah, the teams I was on, yes. I think it depends on the coaching style um, and the quarterback. I think the biggest thing why Bill Belichick is so successful is he called everybody out. So time would tell you, like, you know, Bill called me out when I needed to. Same thing with Bruce Arians. They called him out when he needed to. So it, it depends on the, the type of coach that it is. But most guys I've been around, 
they've been everybody's held in the same standard. They they have um, the coaches will hold their guys accountable. Um, they may do it differently, right? So they may get a little more frustrated with a rookie. They may be a little more frustrated with a younger guy as a veteran. They may show them a little more respect, but they still call them out, right? It's a it's a way to go about it. It's all about your tone, all about how you communicate it. Um, but yeah, they they hold guys accountable for sure. If, if anything, if I'm honest, the QB position gets the most pressure regardless you're the you're the you're the face of the offense regardless of if you're good or not you're one of the first names everybody wants to talk to after the game you know what I mean like you're you're you have the ball in your hands every single play whether you're handing it off or throwing it and your decisions matter you can be Lamar Jackson you could be whoever the backup is your decisions matter right so um, they get the most pressure regardless and, and that's just how it goes but for the most part the teams I've been around, they they always had everybody accountable the same way. Thank you to our buddy OG Philly in the comments. We appreciate that one. Uh, Cecil, so if you're looking, you're still a Cleveland fan. For sure. You're probably a little more a Cleveland fan now because you've got a little bit of a connection with Watson. I, I don't know how well you know him, but, you know, just spending your time in Houston the way you have. Uh, so in your opinion, you're looking at this Browns offense. Tremendous offensive line that should only get better, hopefully. Uh, still some young pieces there, but should continue to improve. Uh, you've got – they've gone the direction of David Njoku at tight end and Harrison Bryant, and we'll see what they do in the draft. Mm-hmm. The wide receiver position right now is interesting, right? You've got the great running backs, but you've got Amari Cooper, right, who I think if, if you view him as nothing else is maybe one of the most consistent, steady wide receivers – uh, and, and dependable as all get out, uh, yeah. kind of a player. But you look around the rest of that wide receiver room as it stands, and you've got Donovan Peoples Jones, who is still kind of finding his way, and he's made some big plays, but he's also kind of come up small in big moments sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and and you've got, and then you've got just youth and inexperience. So what what else? What is this offense missing right now? And and how how much can how much can a guy like Deshaun Watson improve? or make a guy like Donovan Peoples-Jones better? Well, we kind of talked about um, his create, not creativity, but how he, how, he, how he can create, excuse me, when the play breaks down or when nobody's open. And I think that's where the other receivers would get better. He has a knack for making guys like Chad Hansen, who you guys might maybe never heard of, get a 100 <laughs> yards in the, in the NFL game a couple times, right? He has the knack of getting – he goes through his progressions – and he's very smart, so he understands, okay, coverage might be rolling to Amari Cooper. He's not going to be open. Let me go backside. I'll scramble out and make a play to this guy. He just has a, a knack for getting guys better. Um, I think where you can improve on is adding another receiver in a draft, whether that's second round, whether that's uh, third round. You do need to continue to build that up, uh, whether that's bringing Jarvis Landry back, whether that's whatever the case may be, right, figuring out – who you need, maybe another veteran, but I mean, even the tight end room, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not so sold on David. You know what I mean? I think he has potential to be good. I think he's inconsistent. I think he has some drops at times. Um, I think he's extremely athletic. Yeah. I, I definitely can't, can't argue with that. Some games will have two catches for eight yards. Other games will have four catches for 110, right? It's just yeah. down. But one thing Deshaun will do is target his tight end. He will look for the big guy over the middle. He will look for a guy he can trust consistently um, over the middle, whether it's shallow, whether it's intermediate, right? Um, 
But Deshaun, to answer your question, is more than capable of making the guys around him better. The O-line, the running backs, I think you're set. Um, this guy's continued to grow up. Um, but as far as receivers and the offensive side, I think you need to continue to, whether free agency or draft, um, figure out a way to continue to bulk that up. I, I do like Peoples-Jones uh, more than on the possession side. I think he got some good traits. Um, I think he just needs to continue to grow. I mean, they're probably looking for a good slot receiver. And there's a guy named Cecil, Short- Cecil Shorts just sitting out there. Uh-uh. Heck of a heck of a slot receiver that could go right into that system. No, mm-hmm. no, we're not. Nope. No, those days over for me. Now I'm trying to dominate the basketball. Oh, let's go. Open gym basketball is my new goal. <laughs> Are you killing it right now? I'm terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, you know, you know, like you ever play basketball with like a super athlete that you know played ball before. So take super out. I'm not super, I'm just an athlete. Um, and I played basketball in high school a little bit, and I'm just an athlete. I, I, I rebound and play defense. My jump shot doesn't go in. I do shoot it. My jump shot doesn't go in. Rain man. I, I can go to the rack pretty good, but I'm just I'm just very, very, very average. It's the best form of cardio, though, man. You get out and run, and it doesn't feel do. like it. That's why I do That's it. Right. It was three and a half miles last Friday. I'm like, oof, you can't beat this. You really can't. What? Let me ask you this one. Here's something I've been wondering, and you were you were obviously close to the situation. There's this conception out there that Deshaun wanted out of – Houston because of the situation here that arrived in the, in, in the 22 accusers and all that. He wanted out of Houston before that. What, what, and he didn't really clear this up. I, I, you know, I think he's got some feelings. He maybe he'll put out there eventually, but he didn't really clear this up for why he wanted out of Houston to begin with before all that even popped off. People don't understand that he, he was holding out and trying to get traded before that. Yeah. What, what do you think was the boiling point where I know that there was a whole ownership issue in the, in the statements that were made and, all of that was it that they didn't involve him in the coaching hire? Like, what? Where was all that? Where did it all stem from? In your opinion, I, I, I'm gonna be careful how I say this. So, yeah, if you can't right. answer it, totally fine too. I mean, no, I, I don't mean to put you. I'll, I'll answer. I'll answer. He, you're, you were right. He wanted out before all the accusations came out. Mm-hmm. Accusations came out after he requested a trade. Right? He wanted mm-hmm. out before that. He signed his contract, and throughout that year, they went four and twelve that year. Throughout that year. I believe the GM was fired maybe before the season. Yep. And Bill O'Brien and a guy named uh, Jack Easterby was moved up to like, yeah. you know, be a GM. What's going on? Now, during that time, they made a lot of moves. They made a lot of his friends, his teammates, people he trusted basically leave town. Mm-hmm. How they were running the franchise, he wasn't agreeing with it. He didn't like it. You can go back to different interviews throughout the year, especially at the end of the year where J.J. Lott was saying, some people think they're in charge and they're not really in charge or they're not really bought in or they're not really, they were throwing shots at the organization, the head of the organization right there. Not, not the yeah. owner, but the people that were in the building. Right. Yeah. And um, I don't know everything that was true or not true, but I know he was unhappy with how things were being run there. He did not see the team um, being successful anytime soon. He did not feel like he was, um, he just signed a contract, but he did not feel like he was surrounded by a team that was going to be winning anytime soon. Um, you got to remember the year the year before this, they were up 24-3 in the second round of the playoffs in Kansas City. In Kansas City, up 24-3. That's the year Kansas City won the won Super Bowl, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. So he's coming off a high, and then now he's hitting an all-time low, and it's like, yo, what the heck is happening? Um, so he just was not happy with how things were ran, how how certain people became in charge and how they're trying to change different, the culture of everything. He just wasn't a fan of it at the end of the day. And, and he wanted to, to get out. 
I didn't think it was a normal level of dissension going on there. Like you referenced some of the write-ups of things that were going on and like the, yeah. the there was real weird stuff happening with the front office there. And um, yeah, I just wanted your opinion on it. I, I, I don't think people have done their homework to understand. It wasn't just him wanting out just to one out. Like there was yeah. really weird decision-making going on there. Okay. So I'm going to backtrack this thing. All right. I've got a question I meant to ask you for like a decade now. <laughs> the, the hell do yeah. you end up at, how the hell do you end up at Mount Union? You're Collins. You're where? like, how do you, a guy as talented as you are, <laughs> how do you get to Mount Union? You sound bitter. Answer, Jake. Then you sound I'm, bitter. Not, I'm not bitter. I'm in 0% bitter. Game recognizes game. We knew they were better. I don't give a shit about that. You can say, I that. just want to know a guy like, and I, I, and maybe, you know, Pierre's story too. <laughs> I've never gone into it. I, I mean, we just, we were in the same conference and, you know, we showed up and played and we had to play you guys, unfortunately, but like, you know, I'll, I'll tell my little stories. Here it is. I'm at 07. I'm a freshman quarterback traveling, not anywhere near ready to play. And I'm, I'm like walking. I don't know much about this. I went to Muskingum. I visited a couple other small D3 schools and we're on the sideline. I'm out, you know, I'm like, all right, this plays a little different. I've heard some stories a little different. And then this, this guy <laughs> on the side, I'm on the sideline down by the 20 talking to my quarterback coach. And I'm looking at Pierre returning the kickoff. And I'm like, that dude looks different. That does not look like anybody I've seen us play. He looks different. He goes untouched to the house on the opening kickoff. I think he takes a little <laughs> tunnel screen, 75 yards. The next time you guys get the rock after we punted it, and it was a, it was a wrap. He had like three catches, a buck 30, and a, punt, a kick return touchdown. Anyway, then, you know, you you roll around and play and do the dominating things. You'd like, how do you get, like, were you trying to play quarterback out of high school? Like, what, what took you to Mount Union? I'm curious about that. Uh, yeah, I was a quarterback my whole life. And um, I was actually recruited by some some mid-majors like Buff- University of Buffalo and Akron mm-hmm. were pretty hot on me. Um, so going, to my, going to my senior year, written letters, phone calls throughout the whole season. But once December hit, Akron asked me to walk on. I said, no, nah, forget that. Buffalo's going to offer me. And then Buffalo's whole staff got fired. Mm-hmm. Um, so okay. this was in December. The whole staff got fired. I'm like, and Buffalo wasn't no good at the time. Yeah. And then Turner Gill came in, the former quarterback from Nebraska. He came yeah. in, turned that program around. They had some, yeah. they had some bowl wins, some MAC championships, and then he ended up moving on to Kansas or somewhere, I believe. But that, those are my only two really D one options, right? And um, once they disappeared, uh, I think Youngstown State asked me to walk on, but they weren't really interested. And my dad was like, "We're not going to walk on somewhere." Because my dad walked on to Kansas State, and so he knew how yeah. the walk on process goes, right? They like they're going to use you, they don't want you. Your practice body is just too much. Um, and to be honest, I was five, five, 10, five, 11, about 155. So I, I was, I was skinny. I was a skinny guy. I wasn't the fastest guy, um, but I could play. Right. So uh, D, some D2s were looking at me after the signing day went by some D2, but they wanted me to play cornerback, but they wanted me to play receiver. And I'm like, uh, I want to, I want a chance to play quarterback. So, uh, this school called Mount Union came on TV actually the week before, um, I went to this uh, like college fair where a bunch of D3 schools were at. And then, you yeah. know, you walk around with your film and you communicate. So they came on TV and Pierre was on TV and he went nuts. And they had a, a freshman running back who rushed for 2,000 or 1,000 yards in the playoffs. And they won a championship. I'm like, hey, that's pretty cool. And they talk about their history of winning. I'm like, okay. Sure. So Mount Union had to be at that college fair. And I'm like, okay, I know about Mount Union a little bit. Just thinking I know something. I, I was a college football junkie. Well, my dad's a junkie. I, I watched one game thinking I know it all now. <laughs> um, 
And then they got our highlight tape. And, okay, we'll be in contact. They call the next day, like, hey, we watched it. We want you to come in. And when I went down there, I kind of kind of loved it. Like they, yeah. they I feel like yeah. they wanted me. You know what I mean? I feel like I was yeah. supposed to be there. Um, and then the D2s that wanted me to play like corner, it was like Slippery Rock. It was like Lock Haven, like the Pennsylvania area. They weren't that good. Yeah. And they weren't offering that much money. Like, so it wasn't like a big money difference between what they yeah. could give me and what Mount Union could do financially. You know, and my, you know, D3 is no scholarship. Yeah. Um, but there's ways to get money through FAFSA and everything else in different ways. So um, that's how I got there, man. It was just, I guess, I, to me, if I'm honest, I'm looking at everybody now and how they're getting recruited and looking at the athletes in Texas. And I was in Florida for a little bit, so I watched high school ball in Florida. You know, I think I was a late bloomer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, think, yeah. I think that was Blair. I think that was fair, excuse me. I think it was um, – it kind of woke me up. Like I had a really good work ethic. My senior going junior senior year, I was, you know, we weren't going to outwork me. And I kind of, yeah. I kind of got better in college. Like I got kind of obsessive in college when it comes to working. Um, Cause I did really you, wanted to prove myself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did they give you a chance to play quarterback or did you bump out to wide out quickly? Ooh, no. So my freshman year, and you got to know Mount, man. And you went to Muskegon, so I'm interested to see how many freshmen come in. Like, we have about 110 freshmen. Oh, my freshmen. God. That's the thing I had no idea when you go is that so, <laughs> there's so many freshmen. It's, it's crazy, right? Yeah. So we had three, three had a purple, white, and black team as mm-hmm. freshmen. So I think – I don't know which team was the best team. There might have been purple, white was second, black was third, whatever it was. And I was on one of the teams. I, was, I came as a quarterback, and I wanted to play quarterback. And um, I was doing decent. I think I did one. I had like a, a read option. I took it like 80 yards. I kind of opened their eyes like, okay, I got to travel one game. But they that year, a varsity a varsity quarterback named Greg McKaylee was yeah. a sophomore, ended up winning the starting job on varsity, and the rest was history. Like He was yeah. starting three years. So it's like, okay, do you sit behind him for three, four years, or do you switch positions? So I ended up getting hurt my freshman year, and you can't, you know, you can't redshirt Jake, and so yeah. I take a medical redshirt. Yep. Nickel Racer, so I still have four years and I ran track and ended up being an all American in track. And they're like, hey, mm-hmm. how do you feel about switching positions? Like, <laughs> how about not? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, no, nah, I'm a quarterback. And they're like, well, we'll have you backup quarterback, but whatever. So 2007, your freshman year was my redshirt freshman year. Yep. I had six seniors receivers, five senior receivers in front of me, and I was number six. And there was a junior quarterback. So once they graduated, I was Pierre's last year. Yeah. It was me and a guy named Petrozello. We kind of just took over the receivers. I was going to say, oh, go ahead, Chad. Like, we want you to play quarterback, but like, we also want you to like run routes and catch too. Is that going to be yeah. fun? <laughs> See, that was the thing, though. Like, I didn't know how to run routes then. That's what I was going to ask you. That's I what I was going to ask you. I knew the spot I needed to be at, right? As a quarterback, I needed to be at, but it's about how do you get to that spot in an efficient way, right? In a way that you're going to beat your defender and then get to the spot on in the correct timing as well. So I can't take 10 seconds to get there. It's going to get sacked, right? Yeah. So I had to learn how to get off a of press release. I had to learn how to run routes. I had to learn. I, I could catch and all that stuff. I just had to learn the art of receiver. Yeah. So I kind of went in like, I don't know. I, I, I was obsessive in college, man. This is my work ethic was kind of different. Who, who's your guy? Who, who do you give credit to figuring that out for? Who who worked with you on that? Is it Did it come at Mount? Jason Campbell, absolutely. He was the he recruited me to Mount Union. He was the OC at Mount Union. Now he's the head yeah. coach at Toledo. 
Jason Candle gets he gets all the credit. He's the one that taught me everything about receiving. Awesome. Like he was That's the awesome. guy that like we see this, and I'm like, what do you see? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a quarterback. I'm the next Michael Vick or whatever it was, right? But he's <laughs> in me that I didn't see in myself. And I think that's, that's a sign of a good coach, right? They see something in you or a good mentor. They see something in you, they pull it out that you can't really see yourself. Yeah. And he just had Pierre Garcon. And he's like, you can be the next Pierre. And I'm like, well, I like what you're saying. <laughs> but he he helped me bring that to, you know, to life. I sure. got to say, I got to say, Jake. Uh, so I looked up, I looked up a couple games, 2009. Mount Union, Muskingum, Jake, you had a decent game, man. Listen, about we got about listen. 180 yards passing. It, it was a Baker Mayfield game. Listen, 180 yards it was passing, a classic Baker two, Mayfield game. I touchdowns. was very Baker Mayfield. If you could throw a couple touchdowns on Mount, you were okay. That was yeah, like the litmus test. Touchdowns. I remember, listen, I was a sophomore. I was starting way ahead of my time, and I threw. I got a scramble drill, threw a touchdown to a running back, ran a flat route left. I rolled right, and he was in the back of the end zone. Somebody left him, and – uh I come back out the next series. We're buried at the five, man. And Mount's got a bunch. Of, I, you, you could name the guy, Cecil, but I don't know their names, man. Back then, I, these dudes were massive. And I come running out, and he's like, Some, <laughs> I don't know how much I can cuss on this pop. He's like, your bitch, ass ain't, your bitch ass ain't doing that again. I think I fumbled the next throw. I just got blindsided <laughs> and fumbled, and it was a touchdown. But I was like, yeah, man, that was those were those were crazy. You know, we were we were not. I mean, it's just a different level of football. There's some good OAC competition you guys ran into during your time, but not – not a ton of we just couldn't either recruiting southeast ohio kids man you're just not gonna not gonna be able to to compete but and I, I, Jake, two touchdowns in that game not bad unfortunately did okay on the other on the other side of that of that affair you had you talked about uh petrozello he had seven catches for 124 yards mm-hmm. but he was outshined by cecil shorts seven catches 118 yards so less yardage but three touchdowns in that game not a- yeah he was nice he Jake. was nice. I just was like, man, we better sit in quarters. I don't know what we're doing. Don't man these guys up, man. Don't even try it. It was a futile effort. Jake, but I want to. I don't want to talk add, about. I, I I won't bring up your stats from the 2010 game. Terrible senior year. I my left knee was my MCL was cooked, man. It, lo- it looked like play. you didn't play all that much. But Cecil, oh. in those two games, back to back years, Cecil in the next year seven for 106 and three touchdowns. You know what they called it, Mike? Those those guys we call that a stat game. That's a stat game yeah. where you play till halftime, yes. collect your stats, and then you That's rest bad. up the second half. It's a stat game. I, I accept it. I'm impressed with your two touchdowns in 2009, though, Jay. Yeah, we, yeah. we did. Okay. Not to rub it in, but our goal was to get as many touchdowns as we could yeah. in that first half because the second half, we were just going to run the ball. You ain't got to <laughs> run it in. I, we, I understood it when I got there. Don't even sweat it. I want to ask you, listen, not to change the topic of poking <laughs> fun at the, the collegiate career that I put together. Well, but It's better than but, me. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's all relative, right? Didn't exist. Um, when did you know? Like, when did you know? Like, hey, I I think I can make it in the league, man. Like, I really like. Was there a moment you're playing either at Mount or you're going through the pre-draft process and you maybe you get your testing numbers right? Like, there's got to be a moment where you knew I'm getting. I can do this. I can get in the league and I can do. Was there a you pit you like a epiphany type of thing where it, it clicked for you? There was two moments. There was one in college. Uh, I think Pierre got drafted 08. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 08, I think it was. And like I said, it was five seniors in front of me. So it was me and Petrozello up next. And that kind of opened my eyes like, all right, 
this can happen from Division three school. I think he went six rounds to the Colts. And then his rookie year, he didn't do much. And then the second year from there, he took off, right? He was amazing. Peyton Manning, Super Bowl, the whole night. Oh, yeah. Um, my junior year, I think it was 2000. No, going into my senior year, 2010, every other day, agents were calling. Every other day, a team was at the facility. I'm like, what the heck is going on? Yeah. And I knew I got a little buzz in 09, but in 2010, I'm like, because that was my my fifth year. I'm like, this is getting overwhelming. Like, this is like Mm. really about to happen. So that's the first time I'm like, hey, this is legit. And it it got to the point where I didn't talk to any agents. I I gave all the agents to my dad. And you got to know the NFL is a copycat league. It had nothing to do with what I was doing. Well, had a little bit to do with what I was doing. But because (laughs) Pierre was doing so well, they were looking for the next Pierre. Yeah. Let me go back to that school and see if they got anybody else. Yeah. And I just happened to be doing really good. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'll give my dad all the agents. My dad met with about 60 agents. He, he, got, he made a team of like seven or eight people he trusted. They met with all 60. And then I met with the final three. They, they, they dwindled it down to three. I met with the final three and made my choice. That was my first, my senior year, my first time. I'm like, okay, this is the real thing. Yeah. And then, my rookie year, I didn't do much, but 2012, when I started playing and I started making plays, and there was a particular game, uh, the first game of the year, we played Minnesota, and I caught a supposed-to-be game-winning touchdown on the fade route. I'm like, hey, I can do this. Mm-hmm. And two weeks later, I caught another game-winning touchdown against the Indianapolis Colts. I'm running for my life like, oh, don't catch me. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, hey, I can really do this. So I think that was the confidence booster in the NFL. Like, hey, you can make plays no matter where you come from. You're here. Now it's about staying here, right? And then my senior year was like, okay, this is really about to happen. I don't know what's next, but this is this is the real thing. It's weird. It's like, you know, Jake, we'll play in the afternoon, 1 o'clock, and then at, at night we're arguing about who's going to win between the house State and Miami or whoever, whoever's playing that night. Like those guys were like the – I think at that point in time, my senior year, it was Cam Newton, right? We yeah. were like, oh, Cam's the best Auburn here, Auburn there. So when I saw them at the combine, I'm like, yo, that's Cam Newton. I had to control myself. Sure, sure. Fan still. My yeah. mindset was still a fan. Even though I competed and I went out there to prove myself, my mindset was like, yo, that's Cam Newton. That's Mark Ingram. That's so-and-so. That's so-and-so. I knew everybody. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yo, you're here too. So it took me a while to realize that. Like my rookie year, it was spent like you know I'm with Maurice Jones Drew, yo. Like what's up, Maurice? Like what's up? <laughs> it's got to be crazy, man. They don't, yeah. yeah that's three, and then you watching these guys on ABC Saturday Night Football, and you see all their stories on ESPN. It was crazy to me. Yeah. And then my second year, I'm like, okay, I'm one of these guys. Let me let me yeah. dial in and figure it out. That's great stuff, man. Great stuff. Cecil, we got one last question for you. We're going to take it out of the uh, we're going to take it out of the chat here on the live feed, uh, and this is from our buddy D Plavney, uh, and he wants to know he wants to know about the Baker situation, uh, and he said uh, ultimately, where do you think Baker will land? But I, I think equally as interesting, why do you think Houston didn't want him in the trade? Do they really feel like Davis Mills is the guy? I don't. Um... In my opinion, Baker doesn't fit what they got going on there. Um, the type of guy they're looking for is not Baker Mayfield. He's not going to be the outlandish, say what he wants in the media, 
tons of commercials. That's not the guy they're looking for. You got you got to know where Nick and I love Nick Casario, by the way. John Carroll guy. Yeah, um, yeah. Guy, I love him. He's going to do good things with the Texans. I'm excited for him. I'm rooting for him. Frank Ross played against. Hey, you played against Frank, Jake. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Ross receiver for John Carroll, special teams yeah. coach out there with the Texans. Um, and John Carroll guys stick together, man. There's a lot of those guys in the league. We beat John Carroll a couple times, beat him on a Hail Mary up at their place. Hey. They went, they didn't turn the corner yet, so you know, there you go. They got to get it where we can get it at Muskingum. Muskies. <laughs> I feel, like I, I feel like I want to get We got out. the five wins. We got to five, four or five wins. It was like, all right, pack it in. Feeling it. <laughs> I want to give you a pat on the head, Jake. Like, oh, good for you. <laughs> um, but I think I think their mindset is the rumor was Davis Mills, if he would have came out this year, he probably would have been the first round pick. He would have been in the Matt Carroll and the uh what's the guy? Kenny Pickett, the Malik Willis conversation, right? He would have been that first round conversation. So they're like, hey, he showed some promise at the end of the year last year. Let's see what we got. We got him in the third round. We got him for cheap. Let's see if he can be the guy. Because if he's not, cool. We got two first-round picks next year, and you got Bryce Young, and you got all these a better quarterback class coming next year, right? So for me, why spend that money on, on Baker when it's not necessarily a situation where he probably wants to be in? I don't know if he fits the culture they're trying to build there. Um, yeah. So I think is Mills the guy? I wouldn't say he's the guy. See, the jury's still out. This is the year, in my opinion, he's going to be the guy for the year, and they'll figure out if he can move if they can move on with him. Is he going to be the franchise guy? We'll see this year, right? We'll see how he progresses, what he can do. Um, where will Baker land? I have no clue. Wherever the highest draft pick is, like whoever, whoever going to get the most. Let's try to get a second. Let's try to get a two. The Lions are going to give us a two. You're going to give us a three. Like let, let's see. You got Seattle out there. You got a seven, a six. Oh, I mean, I mean, uh, you know. Let, let me say this about Baker. Let me say this about Baker. Baker is not trash. No, no. Baker is not trash. I think he put too much pressure on himself last year. I think he had some legit injuries. I think he should have sat his butt down. Yes. I think K should have played those four, five, six games, let Baker get healthy, and then Baker could have came back, and, and I think we could have made a run for the playoffs. But Baker was trying to prove everybody and fight through these injuries and show you're a tough guy and a leader and all this other stuff. And it's like you're, it's a, the injuries are affecting his game, in my opinion. It affected his accuracy. He was trying to force things. His decision-making was all bad. And when things were bad, it was bad, right? Yep. So I think if he would have sat out, and got decently healthy, he would have a better rap on him this year. Um, and he would be in a – it would be more teams wanting him this year. I think he would have played better. I think Deshaun still would have been the guy everybody wanted. <laughs> right? right, right. But I think it would have been, it would have benefited Baker better if he would have set out and not, and not played through the entire year. Nobody yeah. cares about your injuries if you're not producing, right? If you're going to suit up, you're expected. If, right? if, if you're out on the field, yes, yeah. it is what it is. You're on the field, and you suck, you suck. Yeah. That's just what yeah. it is. Hey, I see you got the second Baptist football shirt on. There it is. Are you are you still coaching throughout your uh, seventy other uh, seventy billion other things that you're doing? <laughs> yeah, he's also like a dean, right? Yeah, yeah I'm a, I'm a dean of students over there. So, um, all, you know, all the behavior stuff. They gotta they gotta come through me for the middle school. So um it's I actually love being a dean. Um I got seven kids, so I love kids, I guess. <laughs> oh, um, do you? Uh, 
I love the, the process of it. <laughs> when I say that, we're live. Sorry, sorry. I don't know. It is no, what it is there's no about. children watching this. <laughs> we all can agree on that. Um, but I just love kids and being able to, you know, be around kids, pouring to them, giving a good mentor to them. So it, it's been fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm still coaching over there in middle school and stuff like that. So it's, it's fun. Very cool, man. Dude, Cecil, man, this has been awesome. You've, you've stayed with us for an incredible amount of time here, man. Our intention was not to keep you too long, but you're one of those guys that we could just sit here and talk to for like the next four hours, and we're not going to do that to you. But Cecil, man, uh, it, it's been too long. It's been a pleasure catching up with you. Uh, good luck with everything you got going on at Second Baptist, on the radio station. Have fun being the MC for the Texans, man. Uh, what a great job and what a fun time that is. But uh, Cecil Shorts III, a, a Mount Union legend, an Ohio college football legend, uh, former NFLer. We really appreciate your insight, all the talk on the new quarterback here for the Browns, Deshaun Watson. And uh, uh, I'm sure we'll be reaching out to catch up with you a little bit more about it as, uh, as Deshaun continues his path with the Browns here. Cecil, thank you so much for jumping on with us. Hey, Mike, you. it's been a pleasure, man. Appreciate y'all. Let's not, let's not make it so, uh, so long in between next time. No, absolutely Promise not. Promises. All right, man. Y'all take care. All right, Cecil. Thank you. See you later. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.